This is Cinema Degeneration. Nothing I can do. He's gotta run his course now. What did you think? It'd be easy. Neat and clean and painless. It's okay. We're together again. You've turned harmless, tasty donuts into... Killer donuts. You're insane. I tell you, I killed a wolf, a plain, ordinary wolf. This particular piranha vanished off the face of the earth more than two million years ago. Don't go in, Jen. This won't do any good. It's the most horrible thing I've ever seen in my life. They're sharks. They're scary. No one wants to get eaten. But I've been Count Dracula sleeps in this coffin, but rises every night at sunset. Chicken's right. This is awful silly stuff. Everybody has to eat shaving cream once in a while. Hey, of course I'll help you, Brian. You and I are pals. I'll be happy to help you. But you'll have to feed me first. <laughs> planets in the galaxy they chose ours they hide in small places this phone is dead what they light the dark jay any luck just a minute there's nothing cute about them they've come a long way and they're hungry. folks and fellow cinema degeneration degenerates welcome to another episode of creature feature dinner theater and we have quite the classic in store for you this evening uh we are going to be reviewing and dissecting the one the only critters from 1986 and as usual uh your co-host or your hosts uh this evening will be myself cameron scott and my lovely wife patty scott hello Hello, Cam. Hello, folks. <laughs> and just so you know, folks, we do record this in separate rooms. So if you hear a bit of an echo or anything like that, it's just because we're not sitting side by side uh, reviewing this uh, little bugger. But uh, for those of you who don't know, I'll give you a little backstory. Patty and I met at Cinema Wasteland a convention in Strongsville, Ohio. And so we knew from the beginning when we first met that our love of horror was genuine. So it was, uh, at least for me, it was love at first sight. Or love at first bite, I guess you could say. (laughs) 
yep, we knew our our love of horror movies was true, and our love for each other has remained true. Yeah, and that love has also blossomed into doing this podcast, as we both have an affinity for horror movies of all kinds, but we both have an affinity, especially Patty here, has an affinity for creature features, sharks, dinosaurs, you name it. It's got a a weird creature in it. This lovely lady here is all for it any day of the week. Oh, all day, every day. I love these movies. Love them. (laughs) But part of what we do here is we not only review the movie and do a deep dive dissection of it and tear it apart bit by bit, we also do a themed drink to go along with the uh, with the movie. And you want to tell the people a little bit about the drink that we concocted, the little uh, alcoholic beverage, per se? Yeah, so to, to kind of lead off, we try to come up with some type of a drink that fits the movie in some way. So something that's either kind of represented, either in the movie or from the movie or something along those lines. And so when we were trying to think of something for critters, we, we had to be a little creative with it. So we were thinking, um, you know, they they are, they're kind of furry and they're fuzzy. And so we kind of did like a spin on like a fuzzy navel type of idea. And so we're calling ours the spiked furry critter. And so this is partially um, some peach punch. Uh, some peach mango drink, um, some pineapple mango juice, um, a peach wine, peach vodka, and some Seagram 7. Mm. Sounds tasty, and I know for a fact, folks, that it is quite tasty. <laughs> and we'll give our, our full ratings on that after after the movie. Yes, we will, we usually do the review and dissection of the movie first and do a little quick uh synopsis of uh the drink of what we thought and also rate that on a scale from one to ten so you can look forward to that and we'll give you well you already given you the the recipe so if you want to make this drink at home you can feel free but uh that being said hun you ready to dive into this sucker absolutely all right well let me give the quick imdb synopsis here which is as follows critters 1986 A group of small but vicious alien creatures called Krites escape from an alien prison transport vessel and land near a small farm town on Earth, pursued by two shape-shifting bounty hunters. And that's one of the the first times I've I've actually uh, read one of these uh, IMDb synopsis, and I feel like it's right on the nose. Like, it's pretty genuine. Most of the time, they feel like they leave leave half of the stuff out or they're way off, but that sums it up quite nicely. Yeah, I mean, I think this movie in general is pretty straightforward with the plot. There's not <laughs> a lot of kind of twists or turns or things that you aren't seeing coming. And so, um, yeah, I think that's an overall pretty nice description of what we're getting into. And so if you like the idea of fuzzy little aliens attacking a planet with shape-shifting guards coming to try and track them down, you are in the right place. Yes, yes. And I love some of the taglines for this movie. Uh, normally, I don't do a summary of some of the taglines, but I felt it uh, necessary on this one. They Ooh. got several different taglines, uh, which I love most of them. The The one that I've uh, become familiar with is they eat so fast you don't have time to scream. <laughs> <laughs> they bite with several exclamation marks. 
the other one, uh, which is on the, the poster, which I also uh, own a copy of this uh, original theatrical poster, is the battle began in another galaxy, but it's about to end in the Browns' backyard. Which, <laughs> if you ask me, sounds kind of dirty. <laughs> it sounds like it's... <laughs> but, yeah, that's, it's funny because one of the things I had looked up um, before the show too was looking at some of the different foreign subtitles that came along with it too and so mm. the one in Spain that was um, one of those actually included that so the title that was shown there was Critters Watch Out They Bite um, mm-hmm. and so I think that's funny that that showed up there uh, but I think my, awesome. my favorite one that I saw of those was from Finland where it was called Critters Midnight Gnars like gnawing on something gnaw gnaw <laughs> Nom noms. So I thought, nom noms. Yeah. So I, I felt like that was a, a pretty wonderful description of what we're getting into. Uh, you know, and the, 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 the other one that I like, which actually sounds like more or less a uh, tagline for the movie The Stuff as opposed to Critters was the original tasty entree. Which <laughs> <It was> is. Just... <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Humans are the original tasty entree. <laughs> Let's start off with one little bit of trivia. This was the the first directorial uh, effort from Stephen Herrick, who was on quite a roll after this. He went from doing this in 1986. He also directed Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Uh, A year after that, he did Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, along with The Mighty Ducks, um, 101 Dalmatians, and Mr. Holland's Opus, and about 30 other movies. So he's... uh, Pretty prolific, but he started off with quite a bang. I'm, I'm sure he probably was just happy to get a job at such a young age in 86. And speaking of 86, you know, Critters wasn't the only wonderful thing that came out in 1986. Uh, you uh, arrived on this planet in 1986. So I have to ask, uh, did you, were you familiar with Critters at all? in the years leading up to us meeting and, and us getting married and whatnot, but had you been uh, subjected or introduced to critics <laughs> at all before me? Um, let me think. So, yeah, so I don't know how I feel about my co-host just deciding to real reveal my age, but okay, we'll talk about that off, off air. Um, <laughs> but, oh shit, I'm in the doghouse. I'll be sleeping in the garage, folks. <laughs> if anybody needs a husband for a couple, days no i'm kidding um yeah so i growing up i didn't see a lot of horror movies i i loved them when i was little but just my household that was not something that was highly valued or or sought after and so most of the movies that i saw i saw after you know age 18 or so probably you know like when i got into college or kind of afterwards when i moved out on my own um so this was not a movie i saw until I was probably in my early 20s. So I had seen it before you, but, you know, much later than probably most people were exposed to this movie. Because, I, you know, there's not, I mean, there there is some violence in it, but it's not like a super scary kind of movie. It's kind of a horror comedy. Yeah, and, and it is rated PG-13. It's yeah. the PG-13 horror, which, you know, really you wouldn't, I guess, you know, like, I, I, I just really don't notice it that much. It doesn't feel like a PG-13 movie because the threat, well, for one, seems very real. And when they get down to the uh, the Kreitz action, that's actually quite bloody and quite uh, gory and gooey for a PG-13 movie. 
Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, I mean, I I think the first half of the movie, there really isn't much of anything. But I think once the the invasion of the house comes about, you really get to see a little bit more of that. Yeah, it's really not, I made a marker here, that it's not until 37 minutes in that you actually see a full-blown critter or crite. You don't really see them. You catch a glimpse of them. You see some glowing red eyes you know, in in a window or you hear about them or you hear them, you hear the, their little chatter and whatnot, but you don't mm-hmm. really see a full-blown cry until a good 37 minutes in, which, you know, is not a negative to the movie, but it's this kind of, you know, it's an interesting point to make that, the you know, your, your main monsters, it's kind of like the movie Aliens. You don't really get a yeah. full good look at it until well, well into the movie. And let's talk about the movie itself. Uh, the first note I have here is I, I get a little nostalgic when I see that old school New Line logo come up from the <laughs> 80s. It just brings up thoughts of, if, you know, Critters, uh, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street and Wes Craven and whatnot. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a warm, fuzzy feeling in the belly. Yeah, it's it's funny when you uh, the first thing that I still think of with New Line, though, is is Lord of the Rings. That tends to be the first immediate one that comes to my mind. But yep, yes, yep. all the warm and fuzzies. Yes. And then we get into the deep into the movie in deep outer space with Prison Asteroid Sector 17. It's a asteroid type prison planet. And it's quite an interesting uh, thing to look at. The, the warden. The warden is uh, very creepy looking. I don't even know how to Super describe creepy. them. Yeah, it's uh, they're all alien races. And they're all very uniquely individual. <laughs> they're unique individuals. Uh, I, I I have to ask, though, my first question is, you know, when they, you know, this starts off in the movie at the beginning. They're on this prison planet, this prison asteroid planet. And the Krites have escaped. They're, they've taken the fastest ship that they have with enough fuel to get them from one end of the galaxy to the other, I think they said 10 times over. And my first mm-hmm. thought is what kind of spaceship gets that kind of mileage? <laughs> well, I what I really liked about the beginning of this, so even before we get the credits and we have, have some of this opening, there's a lot of story and exposition that gets told um, that really describes kind of the universe of this movie. Um, and so, you know, we we find that you know there are these these alien races we know that i think that speaks to just how advanced their civilization is so you know if we think of just how much fuel it takes just us humans to get from you know our planet to the moon or to mars or someplace still pretty relatively close within our our galaxy and our world that's a tremendous amount and so you have these alien races that are then so leagues and above and beyond where we're at technologically, which is kind of a neat idea to think about um, some of these these civilizations that are out there. And so it it also then opens up the world of just these alien prisons. So you know, there's these other other planets, other galaxies that are out there that are interacting with each other that you know earth isn't a part of yet because we just aren't aren't as advanced to do any of those things so we're kind of the <laughs> the kindergartner on the block of high schoolers here um where they're, still they're doing all these things and, and eating uh glue you know at, at this stage of things yeah exactly and so so i kind of like that it it paints that backstory um pretty vividly without having to 
kind of spell all of that out in a way too. And I love any kind of movie, uh, much like, you know, with other kind of sci-fi movies like Star Wars, Star Trek, Trancers and whatnot, that is a movie that has its own technology. It's not just a, mm-hmm. a repurposed desktop computer made to look futuristic or something. It's something <laughs> big and bulky. I, I love movies with their own technologies. And this movie definitely fills that kind of in that category. The the other thing that I think is is kind of a neat thought experiment to think about with the movie, too, is so we know that the Krites in this movie are the bad guys, right? So we know that they're the bad ones. But the way the movie talks about it is that there's a planet of them. So there's just like this planet made of these Krites. And so it poses the question, are there good Krites that are just on their home planet and it's just these bad Krites that are out doing these things? Or kind of how does that how does that work in the mythos? Yeah, because let's face it, this movie it does have three sequels. There are four official Critters movies. There was a web series that was put out just a couple uh, years ago on Shutter called Critters of the New Binge, which is basically a feature film that was cut into like 10, 15 minute segments. And then um, uh, I forgot the title of the the, the, the the reboot. There was a Critters, there was a reboot that was came out a couple of years ago. I think it came out in 2019. So there's five official Critters movies. Attack? Yeah, Critters Attack, I think. Yeah, I think you're right there. So there's three sequels, one reboot, and one web series. So this is a, a pretty stellar series when you think about it. it. I mean, some of them are better than others. My my personal thoughts, I, lo- I love Critters 2 the most. I know that was the, the movie that almost killed the series because that, after that, they all went straight to video. But I don't see straight to video as a bad thing. As long as the straight to video movie is still entertaining, I can live with it. But uh, yeah, Critters 2, yeah, two thumbs up for that one. But we're here to talk about Critters 1. Don't let me get too far <laughs> off track. Stay on target. Stay on target. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's also bears mentioning is that the, the two bounty hunters are not exactly good guys. They're, they're, there, they're there to just lay waste to everything. I mean, when they do end up getting to Earth, I mean, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but uh, the two bounty hunters... You know, we're only known as Bounty Hunter 1 and Bounty Hunter 2 in this movie. They would be known as, as Terrence Mann is, is known as Johnny Steele because that's who he emulates when he comes to Earth. He is known as Ugg, and the other one is known as Lee. So if you put those together, you get Ugly, which is a <laughs> funny kind of, <laughs> you know, little, uh, little tidbit. Because I think it bears mentioning that they don't have faces. They just have this massive... Their, their head looks like a massive quivering jello and they can kind of shape shift to where to whatever they uh, seem you know the seem to gravitate towards because there is the one scene where uh oh i can't remember exactly what they said but uh, when ug or johnny Steele says to the other uh bounty hunter he's like you need to transform but he's like i can't nothing likes me so he goes around exchanging faces with everybody that he meets because he can't settle on a face that he likes. Can't and Terrence Mann, I, I feel like he got, he's a great actor and he's got great screen presence, but I feel like they cast him because he looks a lot like a young Mick Jagger or a better looking Mick Jagger, <laughs> I guess. And what? Well, uh, oh, good. Good. I was going to say, and they certainly get their use out of uh, the, the Johnny character and the song that's used throughout the movie too. 
power of the night. Bow, bow, bow. <laughs> yeah, they got their use out. I mean, they 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 play it as a music video several times in the movie, and they play it like on the radio as a theme song several times in the movie. They they were proud of that 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 little tidbit, that little jingle. <laughs> I will say, I think I disagree with you a little bit on the guard aspect, though, because I think the in terms of whether they're they're bad guys or not, I don't think they're supposed to be bad guys because I think, you know, their their mission is, you know, these crates that are on your planet are awful and they will take over your entire planet. And so we're going to have to do whatever it takes to keep them from feeding um, and to kind of save the Earth. But. I think, you know, the the way they land and the way they awkwardly interact with the humans <laughs> makes it come across as like, well, what what are they doing here? Yeah, because they destroy police stations, they destroy churches, they churches. destroy uh, bowling alleys. I would say, at least, if anything, they're very neutral. They're there for one reason only, to destroy Christ. Yeah, they have a mission. And uh, once we, actually they get to, to, to Earth, I have to say, uh, Scott Grimes... Uh, who plays little Brad Brown. He is, uh, was a child actor at the time, but Scott Grimes went on to do a lot. And I do mean a lot of stuff. You know, he was Will Scarlet in the, the, the Ridley Scott version of uh, Robin Hood. He was in Critters one and two. He's an American dad, family guy, you know, the Orville, you know, amongst many, many other things, but uh, he went on to do a lot of voice work and it's quite the comedian. Uh, but mm-hmm. him as Brad, um, he's a sneaky little shit. It starts off in the movie, <laughs> you know, with him trying to run a thermometer under the hot water tap to try to get out of school, showing up at uh, breakfast in the morning. And I have to say, this fills a trope that is usually with. Any kind of movie of this ilk or TV show where the mom is always making this big elaborate breakfast filled with potatoes and sausage (laughs) and orange juice and pancakes, making this big elaborate breakfast. The kids sit down, either ignore breakfast altogether or take one bite and leave. I'm like, (laughs) a Uh, lot of food thrown away. Poor Dee Wallace. She makes all the fucking food in this movie. She makes a huge breakfast. Later, she makes a huge dinner. And like people eat a little bit and then they're like, okay, we're leaving. Bye. It's like, man, yeah, their food budget must be astronomical. Yeah, they threw away their, their, their like, a lot of food waste, a lot of food waste. <laughs> and let's talk a little bit about Dee Wallace. This was the first movie she had done where she was credited as Dee Wallace Stone. But she was kind of the, the 80s mom. She, you know, was in a lot of these movies. She was in uh, Hills Half Eyes, which was technically late 70s. But E.T., uh, this movie Critters, uh Cujo, you know, Cujo. yeah, Hills of Eyes and what? I, I mean, yeah, Cujo, yeah, that's probably the the the, the pinnacle of uh, the mom's caught in a bad situation. But yeah, if there also... was a mom meant to be in a bad position, she was it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, D. D. Wallace was always the 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 mom caught in, in between a rock and a hard place. Yes, and it also bears mentioning that she would appear. Um, as a totally different character in uh, the reboot of this, the Critters Attack, and uh, oh, yeah. which, which is, it was a little odd, but it was a little, it was very cool to see her in this. But just kind of playing a different character it was kind of like, say what? But you know, <laughs> it, 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 it is what it is, you know. But anyway, I don't want to talk too much about the sequels at, at this point. We'll probably do some shows on those here eventually once we get to them. But uh, 
some other people that make uh, appearances in this movie. I want to talk about the cast just a little bit before we dive deeper into the movie. We get Lynn Shay, and I love Lynn Shay. When she shows up in anything, she just leads an air of credibility to whatever role she plays, whether she's playing a straight and serious role or a comedic role. She is just lovely. And M. Emmett Walsh as, as Sheriff Harv, he's severely ineffectual <laughs> in this movie. As, <laughs> not as an actor, I'm just saying as uh, his his character is just one of the as most... A police it, officer, yeah. Yeah, as a police officer. Uh, Billy Green Bush is Jay Brown, the father. He's to kind of try to make him out to be the bad guy, but he's just playing a stern father. He's not quite so bad he's usually you would expect a, a character in this movie to be a little bit rougher around the edges but he's an all right guy got ethan phillips great comedian is uh deputy sheriff barn or deputy barnes and the first speaking role it was only his second movie but uh billy zane as uh brad's sister brad's sister april has a boy toy a boyfriend named steve elliott and that's uh billy zane and this was his second movie after uh back to the future but his first speaking role. So it was a, lot, a, a great cast, you know, a, a very, uh, you know, commendable cast for a movie, you know, a low budget movie of the silk. But that, you know, just great cast all over. And, but the MVP here, at least in my opinion, and I don't know how you feel about this, honey, but Don Keith Oper is the MVP here is the drunk Charlie. He is just great. <laughs> he, I could watch a whole movie and origin story just just on Don. <laughs> yeah, his character was okay. I wasn't I I wasn't sold on him. I don't think like you were. He wasn't one that like if he was there, okay, but it, yeah, I wasn't. He was all right. Yep. Well, you know, to each their own, but I love Charlie. I love the Charlie character and he also was one of the co-writers of this uh this movie. Mm. But uh yeah, but getting more and more into the story here, I love when the bar, not the bartender, geez, I'm almost a bartender, <laughs> when the bounty hunters are going on their ship following the, the trajectory of the Kreit ship, because the Kreit ship uh, crash lands in Kansas, right, pretty much in the Browns' backyard. And uh, when they're getting the whole learning about Earth segment, and they're like going through all their technological achievements, and it's just like you see a few things fly by, like, remote control cars, microwave ovens, and you realize just how, you know, archaic our technology is compared to theirs. I kind of kind of love that shit. Yeah, I, again, I think it's a, a nice touch to be able to see just how advanced their civilization is compared to ours. And this is also the, the point where I made a note where the Power of the Night song, they are getting their money's worth and their mileage out of that song. Because... Bounty Hunter number one sees a vi music video, which they play pretty much in full. They don't just show you a clip of it of rocker Johnny Steele, <laughs> and that's who he emulates. And I kind of like, uh, you know, it's just some reverse photography, reverse filming, you know, where they, I, I think where they took, you know, the head and melted it and just filmed it in reverse. But I, I think it still works. It kind of harkens back to, you know, Lon Chaney with the Wolfman. It's just a time lapse kind of thing. Uh, I, 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 I love the, you know, the, before they got into uh, CGI and did everything with morphing, I, I love photography and, and special effects sequences like these. 
Oh yeah, yeah. It's a uh, it's a lot of fun. I think uh, you know th- this movie again. We know isn't trying to take itself too seriously either, and so I think it it just adds kind of another fun layer and dimension onto it. Yeah, and I also th- think it needs mentioning that you know it is PG thirteen, but again, it doesn't feel like it. It you know once the Christ actually get to Earth and start tearing things apart, you know it it feels like a legit horror film, but again, it doesn't take itself too darn seriously and i guess it was intended to be an r-rated movie uh they decided to make it 13 to make it more accessible but i don't think it hurts it at all making it a pg-13 movie no i mean i think there's there's a lot of legitimate pg-13 horror movies out there i know that's something that you and i disagree with you kind of feel like if it's not r it's not a big horror movie um but i think it's it it, to me it feels like a pg-13 horror movie like it, it has some of the suspense, it's got some of the blood and gore, but it's not just over the top like you might see in, in some of the R-rated movies. Yeah, it's it's more fun. It's more silly. And, and I kind of... Yeah. Yeah, and even the dialogue is is silly. I'm, my, I have an asterisk next to this line when uh, <laughs> when Billy Zane and uh, uh, Nadine, who plays April kind of shuffle off after having a late night dinner, you know, he's, he just got to meet the the parents and everybody for the first time. And they go, Oh, we're going to go driving, which they just drive around to the other side of the barn and go, you know, for a little rendezvous in the barn, which he was clueless. He did not know what he was going in there for it. (laughs) Like the fact that April was kind of driving everything home, like, no, I want to fuck. And he was just like, oh, I'm allergic to all this. Hey, yeah, he. he, <laughs> he idiot. The, He's a complete he, idiot. Yeah, he had no idea. What do you want to go see the barn for? I don't know. I just thought you might like to see the barley over here in the corner. Yeah, that's what I'm here for. That's not hay. That's barley. Barley. Uh, but the well, line that I like is when they start to make out. And he's like, your dad didn't even like me eating his food. <laughs> that that was the line that I had too. I was going to point out of like, that's dirty. That's dirty. <laughs> At that point, he finally was catching on to what was going on, but it took him like a full five minutes to figure out what the hell was going on. Mm-hmm. And we got to talk about things. Charlie is uh, quite the character. I know you don't like him nearly as much as I do, but he's kind of like Randy Quaid in uh, Independence Day. He's cried well, one too many times about seeing aliens and how they're talking to him through the fillings in his teeth. And mm-hmm. what what happens? Charlie is riding his bike home, you know, after working at the Browns farm for the night. And who's the first person that sees the alien ship crash overhead? It's Charlie. So, of course, nobody's going to fucking believe him. Yeah, yeah, like you said, he's the he's the boy that cried wolf. He he has been claiming aliens have been existing and getting thrown in jail and all kinds of issues for this for a long time. And so, yeah, it's no surprise that nobody's taking him seriously at this point because it's just another day in town for him. Yeah, I mean, like let's think, and he's spending his days uh, in the drunk tank, kind of like in uh, <laughs> like in the drunk tank at May- in Mayberry, you know, with Andy Griffith's show. And yep. <laughs> You know, it, when he's not doing that, he's getting uh, Scott Grimes in trouble by shooting his sister in the ass with a slingshot. And, of course, you know, Brad, Scott Grimes, you know, takes the blame and whatnot. So he's just a, a troublemaker of the highest tilk. So no wonder nobody believes him. 
Yeah, and it's funny because like in the movie, he doesn't seem like a troublemaker though. Like I think I think that's the label he gets, but you know, we don't really see him doing anything besides, you know, not being there to hand dad the tool when he wants it is kind of the biggest misstep he makes before that. Right, right. And just always having a bottle of hooch in his back pocket. So, you know, it's a wonder nobody pays him any attention. But, yeah, poor Charlie. But uh, also poor something else is that poor cow. Like, when the the Kreitz ship <laughs> crash lands, the dad and uh, Brad, who's supposed to be, you know, uh, grounded. He's being grounded for two weeks. No movies, no TV for two weeks. And he's been banished to his room without supper for the night. But when the... You know, the spaceship crashes and they're pretty much, you know, on their property in their backyard. They go to investigate. So it's dad and Brad. And they see one of their cows that is torn up, which is a pretty neat effect because it looks really legit. It doesn't look like a fake cow. But uh, I guess the Kreitz, you know, are a little hungry. That is kind of their motif of being ravenous and uh, insatiable in their hunger. Yeah, I think when, uh, to to back up slightly too. So, um one of the things that is that you see kind of the large sign that says kind of where the town is and kind of where we're located. And so the town here um, is meant to be Grover's Bend um, in Kansas. Um, and I think part of, part of what I had seen too, is that it was a reference likely to Grover's mill, which was the first town um, mentioned in uh, Orson, Orson Welles uh, war of the worlds broadcast. And so that was also kind of a, a bit of a nod to that. Ah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that it was a nod to uh, War of the Worlds. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Um, so the the other thing that I thought was was kind of entertaining and funny too, um, kind of going back to the the daughter and the idiot boyfriend was um, <laughs> after you hear the spaceship crash. She has says the earth moves and he goes, what already? Um, <laughs> kind of meaning that she's already gotten hers at the end of their, their rendezvous. So they're both, again, just clueless, but a, a funny line to, to pay attention to. Yeah. It's, it's, they're a fun couple for, for the, you know, or at least a funny couple for the, the time being, but they will not be a, a couple for very long because besides the cow, there's a, not a high body count in this movie. Is uh, I made a note. There is one cow that gets killed, two humans, and multiple chickens. Now, multiple people get messed up by the crites because the crites shoot little spikes, almost like porcupine, you know, uh, quills. Yeah, like a quill. Yeah, like a quill, but it's poisonous and it ma- you know makes the recipient of said quill very sick. So the the dad gets attacked. He gets kind of bitten. He gets stabbed by a couple of the quills. The mom gets one in the neck. It'll either knock you out or make you very sick. So these things, are, if they don't, you know, mess you up first, then they'll just eat you. Giggity. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> there is a several uh, references to other sci-fi films in this. You already mentioned one, to War of the Worlds. I think it bears mentioning that the cat's name is Chewy, that they have a cat mm-hmm. in this movie that's named Chewy. So it's a little slang term for Chewbacca. And um, there's a little reference to E.T., which, you know, also D. Wallace was the mom in that. And when one of the Krites encounters, the, I love it when he encounters the E.T. doll. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Stealing my thunder on that. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that E.T. doll moment. <laughs> like it looks at it and it kind of bops it in the head a few times. Like, like, what the fuck are you? 
<laughs> and then just proceeds to eat its heads because the Christ will eat anything. They're just there to feed. That's their yeah. goal. And I think we need to mention one, at least at some point well, here. Oh, good. Um, if you're talking movie references, too, you've got the dad's bowling shirt, which is a pin busters, which is obviously a, a big ripoff of Ghostbusters, too. Oh, yeah, that's right. Even the color scheme is yep. uh, kind of Ghostbuster-ish. But, yeah, 37 minutes in, and we're finally getting a full-blown Krite after some peeking ins and whatnot, and they kill they kill little uh, Billy Zane. Billy Z dies. He gets his neck ripped open. He he doesn't, you know, April might have got a chance to finish, but poor Stevie did not. And he is one of our only, uh, you know, uh, two humans that gets killed. And the Krites actually do end up killing uh, Deputy Barnes. So they kind of kill off Ethan Phillips really, really quick, which is a shame because he's a, He's a great comedic actor. I really like the the scene with the cops where the crates are coming after him. So the, the cop gets struck by the crate and then he gets pulled under the car. And then there's a transition into the house with D. Wallace um, to the garbage disposal. And so I thought that was kind of a nice parallel of that's exactly what these little crates are. If they're just little garbage disposals that'll just take and eat anything in their path. Oh, yeah, they'll eat anything. They are just little garbage disposals. And I, I had a note here about that garbage disposal. She was getting awfully close with her hands and sticking the, shoving the, the, <laughs> the remnants of dinner down into that thing while it was on. I'm just like, oh, that's how you lose a finger. That's how you yeah, definitely lose a finger. But I guess a le- legitimate uh, garbage disposal would be the least of your worries if you're fighting Christ. I mean, just, just saying. <laughs> I, I also really like the little um, crates point of view shots that they had through the movie too, of times where all of a sudden you would just be like low to the ground, just like doodlooing through the, the grass or through the bushes or, you know, through the house that way too. And what, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because it reminds me of something I wanted to touch base on was the crates language. They have a kind of a chattering of, uh, of words that they, they they always give you a subtitle, which I enjoy. There's mm-hmm. nothing more that I hate in a movie when, you know, they give a, a creature or a beast or a monster a language that is, you know, something other than English and whatnot. And they don't give you any subtitles or at least any way to understand what they're saying or what they're trying to say. But they give you little subtitles and they're <laughs> the, 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 the the, the, I love how they have their own language, but they're foul-mouthed little bastards. It's like yeah, the, they are. You know, they even managed to drop an F-bomb, the one F-bomb that you can drop in a PG-13 movie. <laughs> and I had, had read that in the development of the language, they had tried to use a mix of French and Japanese-sounding words um, to try and come up with the language that they used for the crates. Nice. So it's a combo of French and Japanese, huh? Yeah, I mean, kind of using some of the 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 sounds that that come about to be able to to pull from, yeah. That's very interesting. I'll go, now I'm going to uh, listen back to the, or watch these movies again, and I'm not going to be able to get that out of my head. <laughs> Sacre bleu. <laughs> bleu. I do think it's funny. Another funny aspect of this because they're they do f- kind of jump back and forth between the bounty hunters looking for the Christ crash landing on earth and not being able to find them and trying to figure out th- them tr- having trouble trying to figure out earth tech 
like they definitely have a handle on their technology and can fly a spaceship, but they don't know how to like operate a, a, a car. You know, they're just like trying everything, trying buttons, trying the steering wheel. When they steal the cop car, you know, they simultaneously <laughs> throw it in gear while firing the shotgun that's mounted on the dash through the roof <laughs> of it. <laughs> and yet you've got the little crates themselves that, are able to figure out like the electrical boxes in the houses and are tearing those out because um, they're able to tell that that's how the house is powered, you know? <laughs> yeah, it okay. just kind of shows you that the the, the Kreitz are smart. Bounty yeah, Hunter, smart Hunter little is bastards. not so much. Bounty Hunter's not so much, though. Yeah, the, uh, the bumbling guard stumbling after the bad guys. Yeah, but I, I love the Bounty Hunter's look. The, the leather suit get up and their technology. I mean, the, the, the guns that they have, those guns are so neat. <laughs> has some, mm. uh, you, you know, uh, stifle all expectations if you haven't seen this movie because these guns are kind of like the BFG, the big fucking gun in Doom. <laughs> they can just tear shit out of anything. You get hit with this, it's not just going to leave a hole in you. It's not going to leave anything to you at all. Yeah, you're done. Yeah, but the Kreitz are like the size of, of like, about the size of basketballs, I would say, until they start feeding and they start growing. So, you know, you don't, you need to be a good shot, but when you have one of these uh, BFG guns, you only need to, you only need one shot to hit. Yeah, I, one of the things I did really like is that initially they try, the, the boy tries to use some dynamite um, and throws one at the <laughs> Kreit, and then the Kreit picks it up and he tries to eat it and then you see just the smoke rolling out of his mouth and you hear like the little pop like of the dynamite exploding and then you just see him like fall over just like a little wombat fall over it was really funny yeah and he just kind of lets out a little <laughs> like almost like a farting kind of noise yeah yeah it's great and another thing i love about the Kreitz, i love how they roll around if they need to get somewhere fast they just tuck their little legs in turn their little legs are like which are about two inches tall in the first place, tuck their legs mm-hmm. in and just roll around so they could just toss these little basketball-sized things, you know, around. <laughs> yeah. and, it, and it doesn't just look like they toss them. They, they actually look like they're rolling with, you know, was, uh, you know, knowing where they're going. It's not just It's not just random. It doesn't feel like it's just done at random. Oh, no, it's just like a faster transportation. It's just they're just little rolling balls of death that are coming after you. It's great. Uh, yeah, I but... think. Oh, go ahead. Okay. No, no, no. Go go right ahead. Oh, I was just gonna to change the subject slightly here, but say, um, you know, one of the things that I had noticed and put together too was, um, with the church scene, uh, that had had just passed in the movie, um, the sermon that was discussed by the pastor and all of that was the big like Sodom and Gomorrah type of, of <laughs> right. sermon that was coming up, um, which is kind of funny because it it. You know, the the old Sodom and Gomorrah story is, you know, there's fire and brimstone that comes down and that's what destroys the town, whatever. Um, that instead it's these little crates and then they're having to blow up these little crates with fire and brimstone and everything just to try and get rid of them. Yeah. And let's talk about the, the church scene a little bit. The uh, the bounty hunters literally crash that church party uh, with their cop car. <laughs> they don't know how to drive very well. No, and it it feels very random, like how they show up there, like they just happen to show up, and the uh, bounty hunter number two, which is Lee, 
you know, doesn't is looking like uh, the the deputy, but he's all scarred up and bleeding and whatnot. So he decides he's going to look like the he's going to change faces with the the pastor. So when they get <laughs> later on to another party, they're crashing and there are party crashers all all around. But when they show up <laughs> at the bowling alley and just decide to show people how to bowl before they look for the crites. I, I felt that was very random. You know, when uh, Johnny Steele kind of just walks up, takes a bowling ball, palms it, doesn't even stick his fingers in the holes, just palms it and throws it overhand and hits the pins so hard that they explode. They crumble, I, yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, it felt very random, but it is a very neat shot. <laughs> I do like the the person's reaction to it of just like, I wonder what team this guy's on. <laughs> yeah, like we need him for the team. How do we recruit him? Yeah. Yeah, because that's where the dad was supposed to be going with his bowling league night, but uh, he didn't. never quite makes it. He, he gets his bowling shirt on, but he never makes it. Well, his bowling hand went numb from the fucking crites. They shot him in the hand and then his hand went numb, so he couldn't bowl. Yeah. And but then they, they fuck up daddy though, man. He gets his neck chewed on, his side chewed yes. on, his leg chewed on, gets quills everywhere. I mean, he, he he's a tough hombre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, part of, part of that too is, you know, that he had, the guard had shape shifted into the pastor. So then you've got all of these complaints coming into the, the police station that are saying, Hey, the pastor is going into the bowling alley and is shooting up the place. Yes, and the sheriff is with the pastor at the church at the time and kind of looking at him is like he is. Like he's he doesn't never says anything, but he's kind of it's like he's right here, <laughs> you know. Yeah, something ain't adding up. But uh, you know, it's kind of funny because they all ended up end up, you know, the, the mother, the father, April and Brad end up holing up uh upstairs in Brad's room. And you know, Brad's, of course, the only one. You know, April is kind of shell-shocked after seeing what she's seen. The mom is halfway knocked out from getting a quill in the neck. Dad is, daddy is just, he's messed up six ways from Sunday. He comes up with an idea, and it's not a half-bad plan to get on his bike and ride to the highway and, and go for help. But when he goes out and goes around the side, what's uh, waiting for him on his bike? A crite. Cried on a bike. Uh, cried on, <laughs> yeah, exactly, cried on a bike, rut row. And, but, you know, his half-lad half bad plan you know wasn't so bad but it didn't uh didn't you know didn't formulate into anything then he had to try to to run into the chicken coop but he couldn't get in with the chickens so move over chickens gotta get in and that's where the chickens all get killed we get multiple chicken deaths in this but you know hey you know popeyes needs uh you know some extra chicken i'm I'm sure they'll be just fine But uh, this is where we get to where the the crite right around this point, uh, somewhat around this point, is where the one crite uh, attacks and eats the that motherfucking ET doll. <laughs> I just yeah. love it. And a pillow. He has a pillow too that he munches on. So part of it made me wonder too. Like, did they have an affinity for like feathers? So you've got like the pillows, you've got the chickens. Like, was there something about the feathers that they're like, Mm-mm, this is tasty stuff? Maybe nothing on their planet had feathers. Maybe it was it's a true. new delicacy for them. New delicacy they got to try while they're in town. Yeah, exactly. Beware Popeye's chicken, man. You know they would they would mess that place up. <laughs> uh, well, Brad happens upon Bounty Hunter number one and two. He stops them in the middle of the street, almost gets his little ass ran over, but he hops in the back, and of course, you know he sees the uh, 
the bounty hunter number two, this is after the the bowling alley incident, he decided to go from bounty hunter number two, decided to go from looking like the pastor to looking like who? His buddy Charlie. And he kind of looks at him, but he figures it out real quick within a matter of about 60 seconds that these guys are not human. Because, you know, mm-hmm. one, why would Charlie be there with Johnny Steele, you know, a.k.a. Ugg? You know, so he figures it out pretty quick, but he's just like, he makes him a deal. You know, he's like, we're here for the Kreitz. He's like, oh, you mean the Critters? And they're just kind of like, yeah, Kreitz, Critters, whatever. But, um, you know, he's like, hey, you know, if, if you help save my family, I'll, t- I'll take you to where the Critters are and you can, you know, do your thing. I, I just think it's kind of funny that he literally, you know, in every one of these movies, somebody's looking for help. They just run out in front of the first car that they see. But it's always the first car that they see happens to have the AKA either the hero or the villain in it. <laughs> It'd be a long ass movie. If you waited till the 12th cars that finally stopped for him. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, if, as if their house hadn't the Brown's house hadn't been torn up enough when the bounty hunters show up, they just start shooting things and leaving three foot holes in every wall, every doorway and whatnot. Um, the toilet, the toilet. And oh, I'm glad you brought up the toilet. Because the one crike goes to hide in the toilet and pops his head out. But, of course, you know, Johnny Steele sees him and blows him the hell up. Uh, that was meant to be a wink and a nod to Ghoulies, which had came out about two years previous. And Because around this time in the, the early to mid-80s, there was a lot of little creature features. There was gremlins, there was ghoulies and critters and hobgoblins, and among others. And a lot of people think that... Gremlins had predated uh, had predated Critters because, you know, it just happened to get released sooner. But the Critters script had actually been written two years previously. And it bears mentioning that one of the screenwriters, the guy who came up with the original idea, Brian Muir, had wrote the script at only 19 years old. So that might account for some of the, uh, the tasteless humor and the more fun-loving kind of PG-13 kind of level of attitude with it, but I thought that very mentioning that uh, you know the guy had written it at 19 mm-hmm. and, you know, what a feat. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I I, think you can see that humor kind of showing up throughout that, you know, you can um, kind of see, you know, it's, it's even based more around the kids than it is the parents, too, um, that it's definitely the children's story of what's happening to them. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because, you know, the the kid, you know, Brad is the only one that really kind of takes charge amongst that family and doesn't get his, he doesn't get his ass handed to him. He is the mischievous one, but he is kind of, you know, the hero of sorts, kind of like, again, mentioning E.T. Yep. is kind of like, you know, Elliot and E.T. Yeah, but, just not the collaborative factor on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just, just not quite to that extent. The anti-E.T.s, yep. But uh, this is where I made the note. The the bounty hunters are super fucking destructive wherever they go. They don't care about collateral damage, even in the slightest. Between the church, the police station, the the bowling alley, the Browns' home during the the the, the final act, they they don't give a fuck. They're just there the, to kill Christ. The only time that you see a little bit of emotion is like after after they've blown up the house and the guard picks them up by the hair. Um, and picks up Brad by, and he kind of taps Brad on the shoulder for a second. So it's almost kind of like a good job, kid. You didn't die. Um, yeah. Um, that was kind of the first bit of emotion you see showed of like, oh, yeah, I, I guess sparing this person was a good idea. 
Yeah, it's the first time they show any kind of emotion at all that's other than those, like, they're kind of like Terminators. They're just there to kill. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it's it's ironic you say that because one of the lines in it is, like, we could use a good exterminator. So it's awfully, yeah. awfully darn close to that. Because, let's face it, the only person in town who could do anything is uh, old Sheriff Harve. And but he's sort of kind of all the way useless. He, he just oh bless his little heart. And I love him. M Emmett Walsh. He's just a great character actor. You know, between uh, Blood Simple, you know, Blade Runner. Hell, he was even in Knives Out just a couple of years ago. So he's still going at like ninety years old. But his character. Oh, he's is in just, all the stuff. Yeah, he's just use the the character in this is useless. He is a great actor. But yeah, he's a great actor. But the character, yeah, utterly useless. Uh, the the other thing that I noticed too is like when when they all decide um, to take off and hop to go save the sister that they think is kidnapped at that point too, and you know they're in the the police officer's car and then the guards decide to try to get into the car with him and they just like take over driving too like they just push him into the middle between the two of them, um, and my my first thought of was just thank God that there was bench seating. For this poor motherfucker to be stuck in the middle. Otherwise, they'd have probably just kicked his ass out of the car. Yeah, they just thrown him out by a scruff of his neck. And he doesn't do anything about it. They just kind of look like, oh, okay, our car's trash. Well, let's just go in to get into their car. And they just kind of push him right on over and take over. Yep. Uh, but that, yep. that, let's talk about the April sequence when the Krites take April. Now, they were taking her back to the ship. To the Krites were, you know, a ship that they crash landed on. Mm -hmm. Uh, what do you think they were taking her back for? Were they taking her as a late night snack or were they taking her as hostage or prisoner? You know, what do you think they were doing there? I've always questioned that. I've always assumed that they were off to go visit other planets, other places, and they wouldn't know when their next meal would be. And so they thought they would take somebody with them just in case they got someplace and there wasn't any food available. So it was just like a Kentucky Fried Chicken snack pack. They were just taking yeah, a little drive pack. Yeah, a little. Okay, that makes sense. That's what I had always kind of figured it out in my own head. They never made it clear, but I always figured it was just a late night snack. Like, hey, you know, making a taking a sandwich for the road. Yeah, I mean, we we never saw them have any kind of like sexual intentions of like reproducing or, no. um, you know, any kind of like hostage kind of taking or you know any kind of tries to, for communication to let them know that they have her or anything like that, um, that would, would lead to that. So, so my, yeah, my interpretation was, yeah, they just, they just needed a little snacky snack to get them through the long road trip. Exactly. That make, makes sense for me. Uh, but I love, I do love how everything culminates here in the end. It, you can tell this is where the budget busting w w had came, come <laughs> into play Two huge, huge very well shot slow motion explosions when they blow up the house and mm -hmm. and then the Christ ship blow up you know because charlie and brad you know brad throws it leaves his dynamite behind in the ship when they get april out of the ship but charlie happens to have a bottle of hooch in his back pocket that he throws like a molotov cocktail sets it on fire while the Christ ship blows up the house but then they blow up two seconds later so all is kind of well, at least for now, but with so many different sequels, we know the Krites aren't done forever. It's kind of like an Aliens movie. You might knock out one of them, but they're kind of like roaches. They just multiply. <laughs> but these budget-busting explosions, they put some money into those. I, I'm sure that's where a, yeah, where a big chunk of their budget had went into. And 
the, the house they built was a set. It was a literal set that they built. But the, the explosions, I would never have guessed this if I hadn't read it in the trivia. But it was a, a miniature that they had set up. Oh. And I'd be damned if I could have would have been able to pick that out. Uh, it was done very well, felt very seamless, and, you know, very, very, very well done. And something else that bears mentioning, and I, I got to mention this, is Chewie, the cat, he makes it through this movie. Yeah. It's, it's one of the rare instances where, you know, a pet dog or cat, especially a cat, because cats are always susceptible. You know, people always thumb their nose when uh, when a dog dies in a movie, but people don't seem to care about cats. And I love me my little furry feline friends. And Chewie makes it. And so well, Chewie lives. Yeah, thumbs up. Because, like, there is a fun sequence when, you know, uh, right after they, right after uh, Johnny Steele kind of taps Brad on the shoulder and tosses his hair a minute, he hands him a little communicator and says, call us. And he doesn't tell him how, but he hits a button on it He because it starts beeping and Brad hits a button on it and it rebuilds their house from scratch. A lot of Christine-style reverse photography when they go from you know, to the destroyed house, to the, uh, you know, that house rebuilt. But they put Chewie in the mailbox because all of a sudden <laughs> Chewie gets dragged into this cyclone of wind that gets, you know, draws everything together. And next thing you know, Chewie is cr- crying and meowing from inside the mailbox. That cat was <laughs> not happy about being that in that That was a mailbox. pissed off kitty, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got, I've got to mention, though, like when they rebuilt the house, do you think they could at least, you know, give them a new roof because that roof needed some work <laughs> yeah yeah they they obviously just put it back to exactly how it was but yeah that was my first thought too was could, couldn't you just improve the roof a little bit though like just just make it so add a couple extra shingles when they needed them come on because yeah, there's a couple bare spots of shingles there's a couple dips and grooves where the the roof is not level but you know hey i mean they went from having a house that was a pile of rubble to you know, at least they had a home when it was all said and done. But there, exactly, you know, it is what it is. But yep, I, I love the fact that, that the, the cat. I love the fact that the cat makes it so that the whole time you're you're watching this, at least you know the first time you're just thinking when you're not thinking if the cat is gonna die. You're just thinking when is the cat gonna die, and they don't do that. So thumbs up for me. Kudos to them. Yeah, kudos. But that's not the ending of our movie. We do get one little last shot as the camera moves into the barn. And, and what do we see, hun, laying in uh, the, the barley in the hay? Well, of course, there's eggs. Yeah. So We are not le- done with the crates yet, or they are not done with us yet. Nope, they're coming back for seconds, which actually would be the tagline for the, sec- the second movie. They're back for seconds. <laughs> But uh, I do have a little bit of trivia. I'm not sure how much tri- uh, trivia you had on, on deck, hun, but I got a few little things. No. Uh, but uh, uh, the the kill count, which is, you know, two people, one cow, multiple chickens. And a little bit of trivia that is not for this movie, but I think it needs mentioning, is that Critters 3 would have been the feature film debut of one Leonardo DiCaprio, Oscar winner. And yeah. The critter's fur was made in part from moose pelts. Huh. And Interesting. The, yeah, the critters were also, and this is the biggest bit of trivia, because uh, I love these guys, is the Chiodo brothers. The uh, Charles and Stephen Chiodo, 
who had created uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. It was uh, three brothers that did that movie that wrote, directed, and did all the creatures for it, but went on to do tons of creature feature work. But the Chiodo brothers created the, the critters, and they came to a cost of about 10000 apiece when they were molding and putting them together. Yeah, yeah, pretty expensive for back in the day, but, you know, that was, you know, back in the day when they could create things from scratch and not just from CGI. But originally, when they uh, were casting for Johnny Steele, they were trying to get Billy Idol to, to play that because they wanted uh. someone who was a genuine uh, rocker before they went with uh, the actor Terrence Mann. And the last and final bit of trivia is Terrence Mann is Johnny Steele and Don Keith Oper as Charlie would be the only two actors to appear in all four original Critters movies. So it is about the most trivia that I could find. There's not a whole lot of trivia considering how I I consider these movies to be at least the first couple to be legendary. And it is a pretty great franchise, but not a lot of trivia about these movies. Yeah. So people will have to stay tuned for their characters and watch their uh, progression and fights with the Krites over the over the years. Yeah, because these movies would actually, you know, go on to have some pretty great casts uh, in them. Angela Bassett would appear in one of her earlier film roles. Again, Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, Brad Dorr pops up, I think, in part four or part three. I can't remember exactly which one. They Three and four kind of uh, meshed together for me. Uh, they were filmed back to back. They were filmed all, all in one kind of long shot. So uh, I, I, and it feels that way. They feel like, you know, like a back to the future two and three, like they did a kind of a back to back filming not that it takes away from them because they're good fun they're they're of lesser quality as the film as uh, three and four went on but i don't hate them for it they're good they're good silly fun but speaking of good silly fun let's go ahead and sum up our uh, the expectations we had with this and uh hun you can go first if you want to give us your final thoughts and uh rating on this Sure. So I might get a little bit of flack for my rating. Um, (laughs) But I mean, I think overall, I think it's a fun movie. Um, I think it, you know, the, the little crates themselves are a lot of fun. I think they're, they're a cool looking little monster to take over the world. Um, I'm a sucker for movies where you have just like random little creatures that have their own little language um, that is just kind of this gibberish, like (laughs) kind of speak. Um, And so, you know, to have kind of subtitles onto them as they're taking over the world, I think is kind of fun. Um, And having, you know, the fucks and the uh ohs that show up that they say when they're (laughs) getting blown up, I think is a lot of fun with that. Um, I think for me, I, I think this movie plays a lot on nostalgia. And so, you know, for me not having seen this, movie when I was younger I think probably affects my rating um, because I think yours will probably be higher than what mine is Um, I can guarantee it (laughs) yeah but but it's it's a lot of fun it's a good watch it's a if you're looking for just a silly little monster critter movie to take over the world um, it's it's a it's good fun so I would I'd give it a seven oh well you're coming in higher than I expected 
Uh, I'm obviously going to come in a little bit as in a lot a bit higher than you on this one, because <laughs> uh, this does play into nostalgia for me because this movie came out, you know, I was 10 years old. So I'm not just dating you. I'm dating myself here. I, I was born in 76. So I was a wee lad of 10 years old and I love this movie. And I don't love it any less as an adult than I did as a kid. And again, I also have an affinity and a love for movies that gives creatures like these, the, the Krites or the Gremlins and whatnot, their own kind of language. I'm a sucker for that kind of thing. And I love little creature features. I love stuff like even modern day ones, like uh, from Full Moon, Ouija's comes to mind. Or Puppet Master, mm -hmm. just things with little creatures, little gremlins and hobgoblins and whatnot. I, I'm a sucker for those kind of movies. And I, I love the humor of it. And you mentioned before, you know, usually I am not a fan of PG-13 horror, but this is a, a case where I pr pretty dig, uh, pretty much dig everything about this movie. And it, the fact that it's PG-13 horror does not take anything away from, from it. It it's, it's just an overall, uh, it's, it's a great franchise, and the, the first movie is really good. Now, I do like Critters 2 the best out of all of them, uh, which is not not uh, a shocker here, hun, and especially at least <laughs> not for you, that I like a sequel better than I do the first one. But uh, I'm coming in pretty high on this one. I'm giving it a full-blown nine. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I love this movie. Like I said, it's probably a lot of nostalgia factor, but... The more I watch it, the the more love I have for it, and even some of the lesser sequels, uh, I still have a lot of love for. To me, straight up, there's not a bad Critters movies out movie out there. Uh, I love Critters, the new binge. I like Critters Attacks. Probably Critters Attacks is my least favorite of the bunch, but I'd really have to watch them all over, <laughs> all over again to to could really properly place them. But I think that's where I would probably go. Critters two, one. Then three, four, and Critters Attacks. And I don't know where to put Critters the New Binge because I watched it so briefly. And it's a shame that it's not available anymore. It's not available on Prime. It's not available on Shutter. I don't know what happened with that. And it's just not available anymore. So it's kind of sad we can never have a completed uh, Critters universe. But maybe one day they will. Maybe it'll come it again. back someday. One can hope. I hope that we well, can look I forward to another. Critters feature. There was supposed to be another sequel coming out on Sci-Fi Channel, but I'm not so sure what uh, ever happened with that. Well, and I will say, had this movie had Billy Idol in it, I bet you that would have made it a ten. That would that would have upped your ten. Oh yeah, that that would up the from a nine to a ten <laughs> because you know, all right. Uh, <laughs> with that being said, I think we can put a pin in this one for the afternoon. Uh, wait, wait, wait. We got to talk about our drink. Oh, wait, God, I, I almost forgot. Forgive me. I'm sorry. We didn't. Yeah, we didn't. I'm so used to all my other shows where we just re review the movies. Uh, <laughs> I forgot about the drink. So, yeah, uh, take it away, hon. Yeah, let's get our little furry Krite sp spiked drink. Yeah. So, um, again, just a, a kind of a, a preview or kind of an overview of what we put in it. So we had like some peach punch, um, a, a peach mango juice, a pineapple mango juice. Um, a peach wine, a peach vodka, and then Seagram 7 that we just made a, a large pitcher and kind of combined everything together into it. Um, for me, I thought it was pretty good. It was a very kind of sweet, tropical 
peachy kind of flavor, which was was very enjoyable. For me, I think the the wine kind of overpowered it a little bit. Um, so for me, I probably might have used a different spirit kind of moving forward with it. Um, but overall, I thought it was super tasty. Um, but I think I would give that a seven too. Um, you know, I, I, I liked it. I felt it was a a bit strong on the spirits. I think uh, you are correct in your assumption that the the wine probably needed to either have a little, maybe added something different or use a little bit less of the wine. But uh, I'm coming in uh, pretty much at the same level. I am, I'm coming in at a nine on the drink because you oh. know the quickest way to my heart is anything peach flavored, anything with peaches <laughs> added to it. I am all there. So when you, when you came up with this concoction, this the spiked furry crite, uh, I was all for it. I'm like, I'm like, I know I'm already going to come in pretty high on this drink, and like, unless something comes in really, really <laughs> fucked up. But yeah, yeah, both, both of them, solid nines. I would definitely make the another pitcher of those. Yes, would definitely drink those again. But yeah, like probably just maybe a little less wine, or maybe something else altogether. Maybe a little bit more. I kind of thought it maybe needed a little bit more of the the peach vodka. As yeah, opposed I think, to the peach wine, I think that would have been a better ratio. Yeah, I think I would just do the peach vodka again and just have that as the, the main spirit with a, the touch of uh, Seagram 7. Much like with adding Billy Idol to the mix would have made uh, Critters uh, a 10. Take the, the peach wine out and just add a little bit more peach vodka. That drink would have also been a 10. <laughs> well, anything else you want to add before we sign off for the afternoon, dear? Nope, I think that about covers it. Alrighty, folks, you have been listening to Cinema Degeneration's Creature Feature Dinner Theater, and we have been reviewing and dissecting Critters from 1986. Uh, I guess that's it for the afternoon, and we will be signing off till next time. Thank you for listening. Beware of the crate balls. <laughs> Beware of the, the crites balls? Those or two. The crite, or the crite balls. Uh, folks. All of the above. Just be beware of crites and balls altogether. <laughs> so long, folks. Radar control, this is Prison Transport 9961, requesting permission to land. Over. We've been expecting you, PT-9961. Please confirm payload, over. Crite prisoners, eight of them, over. There seems to be a problem, PT-9961. My advance notice cube states that there should be ten crack prisoners aboard your ship. Please explain, over. Well, we did have ten at one time, but the Krites were eating everything in sight. We had to kill two of them to make the food last longer. Over. 